Hello humans, welcome to the M-Word po- podcast, brought to you by Martin, that's me, and Matt, that's him, hi Matt, Matthew, Martin. joined by Graham today as well, welcome Graham. Hello. Thanks for your time. Not a problem. Everyone well? Good. Graham? Good. Yeah, <laughs> everyone sounds hesitant. So, let's start earlier, you were Manxie? I am, I grew up near Flegic Bay. All oh, right, Southern boy. Southern boy. Right, so. okay. And what was early childhood like? Uh, school and school and down south, I assume. Sc- uh, play school in Port St Mary. Right. Uh, Russian junior, then off to Castle Russian. Right. Okay. So, and much going on in those early years. Uh, yeah. Good child, were you? Pardon. Good child. No, not at all. Were you not? Uh, I was often described as a bad boy. All oh, right. Which okay. Was like from. I, I remember play school and spending most of my life in the naughty corner. Oh, right, okay. And then my journey through school wasn't the easiest. So. Right, okay. Why particularly? Uh, so, in when I was I'm really badly dyslexic, dyspraxic. Uh, What's dyspraxic? Uh, clumsy kid disease. Okay. Uh, Mum was really not well when I was little and lots of other things going on. So. Right, okay. Yeah. And they just manifest into bad behaviour. Yeah, uh, bad behaviour and classic middle child syndrome. So. Oh, right, okay. okay. So so when you talk about middle child syndrome, that's ignored, is it? Yeah, so, you know, later you, you, as, you get, as you get older and your interests, you begin to notice patterns. Right, uh, okay. Middle children often choose the wrong path in life ah, for various right. reasons. Right, so. okay. So during those more disruptive times at school, were you just, you know, well, it's easy looking back, but at the time, do you think, is that attention seeking or so, just acting out? Or? I think it was acting out. I think it was like didn't understand the world. Uh, also, you know, being really badly dyslexic back in the 70s, uh, you know, wasn't you were considered thick you know yeah, so right. i went i went to special measures it was what they called special lessons now and right. my journey as i said my journey through school wasn't the easiest yeah, yeah. was that just because of lack of knowledge or understanding back then as i think it was also the policies and the procedures of the government right. so if you look back at the 80s that the rest of the world had already started to recognize dyslexia and dyspraxia while the manx Department of Education refused to accept it, right? Uh, which was the choice of the head educational psychologist. So. Right. And would there be bullying going on then? For oh those? yeah, yeah. Right. So okay. I was badly so that bullied. Was, yeah, and that's so. your kickback then, is to as part of that, I presume. That yeah. So I got bullied when I was at school, and then became the bully. So, oh right. Yeah. Okay. Right. So again, a, probably a subconscious thing that's going on, I guess. Yeah, and it's like you end up. You end up getting fed up of being a victim, and the easiest way to stop being a victim go is probably attack, yeah. go on the attack. Yeah, so. Right, and I presume then schooling-wise and uh, getting an education, then just obviously one, you're not getting the the the, the, the support you need, and then because you're acting out, it's, it's a, it just comes a, a vicious circle of getting less education, less it's education, it's I guess. It was the, more detention, more detentions, more canes. Yeah, so, right. uh, but it was also that I didn't understand what they wanted me to do. Okay. So if you don't understand what you don't, if they don't, you know, you don't understand what they're trying to teach you. How can you learn it? Right. So I scraped through. Right. Uh, you well, you haven't got the, I suppose the, I use the word intelligent, but the awareness to, to talk about that to them. It's only in hindsight no, that no, you, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You know. So when I was thirty-five, I was diagnosed with really bad dyslexia, d- 
dyspraxia, autism, straight ADHD. Right. Uh, and had to learn to read and write again. Right, okay. Uh, Is that done a different way then? So it was done in a different way with a, uh, with a really good dyslexia specialist. Okay. Uh, when I was 40, I started a master's degree without a bachelor's degree. Okay. Uh, I'm now 49 next week and I'm year two of a PhD. Oh, right. Okay. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, if you're given yeah. the tools, you can flourish. Yeah, if you're not yeah. given the tools, you've... Are those tools in the environment now in school? Uh, I don't really know. I would mm. hope so. Yeah, uh, but you don't know, do you? Yeah, so. Yeah. so so through those school years, you come out of school, what happened? What, did you, did you uh, go into oh, work? So, so, a bit of anything? Oh, uh, so left school when I was 18 with the two really not very good A-levels. Uh, went off to college for a few months. So back then was A-levels? Like I know A levels as you go through GCSEs, sixteen and then A levels. Okay, so I was the first year of GCSEs. Okay, there you go. There's an interesting fact. Uh, then two years of A levels, and then I went off to college, which I dropped out off. Couldn't, didn't suit me. By that time, I was drinking and taking drugs and getting oh, into right. into grief. Uh, you hanging around the wrong people as well. Oh, or were you the wrong person? I was the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> they were hanging around yeah, with you, yeah, the yeah, wrong person. Uh, I was often described as the one your mother warned you about. Right. Okay. Uh, Why did you start taking M just for fun? Uh, pain relief. So I suppose I was drinking to oblivion by the time I was 14. Oh, right. Wow. Uh, 16. Who's buying you that drink? Anyone yeah. that was around? Yeah, stealing. Do you have older mates as well? Yeah. Right. Uh, got into smoking weed and taking speed and acid right. by the time I was 16, 17. Did it ever scare you when you kind of presented those to do? No. no, you know some some of us naturally take risks, right? Uh, because it makes you feel alive. You know, the closer to death you are, the the more alive you yeah, feel. Yeah. Was was that Did your in, yeah? Was that your <laughs> not not so much intention? Was that kind of what you were just doing it for? Then should we say? Was it you do? Uh, with hindsight, yeah. You know, you know, I've, I've been on a very long journey since yeah. then. Uh, some of it was about numbing the pain. Some of it you didn't was, know that at the time, though. No, course. I didn't know yeah, it at yeah. the time. Uh, some of it was about wanting to fit in, somewhere to belong. You know, if you've got nowhere to belong, the only people who will allow you to belong with them are the druggies, aren't they? Yeah. You know, it's somewhere to belong. Uh, and, you know, my life was constantly in chaos, you know, with the drink and the drugs and everything else. I mean, you know, by the time I was 20, I was completely messed up, you know. So, so in those circumstances, well, if there is some and bits I've read and listened to where you maybe in that period when there is something stable, is it unknown, but there's that instinct and you just F it up because cause normal isn't just if you've got a girlfriend at 18, you want to have a, quote, a normal relationship, you would shit on the relationship because your instinct is this, not... You, you train your brain or your brain becomes trained that normal and good isn't what I deserve almost. So subconsciously okay. you F things up. So, so if you think about how your brain works and how you relate to yourself, okay, if your brain works differently and how you relate to yourself, so that's your emotions, that's your sense of self, maybe that's your sexuality, maybe that's your f uh, five senses, how you, how you relate to them mirrors into how you relate to the world. Right. So if you've had trauma, how you relate to all those different things inside of you is usually messed up. Right. 
therefore how you relate to the world is also messed up right. uh, so if you've had what within psychology is called adverse childhood experiences if you start looking at dyslexia dyspraxia mental health in early childhood before the age of 18 and then had a drug taken and drink all of a sudden how you relate to yourself is completely messed up therefore how you try to relate to the world is completely messed up and you don't understand it because lots of the things in the world are very subtle and one of the things that happens if you've had trauma is you become numb so how can you understand culture which is very subtle if you if you're numb you can right so that when, when you talk about trauma you talk about your Initially, I suppose, getting bullied. Get bullied, yeah, not being able things. to fit in, yeah. mum being ill, yeah. you know, all those things that happen, you know, happen in life. Yeah. So then, I mean, skipping way forward, I don't want to come back, but then the process down the road is to deal with that, understand that, understand why those happens, I guess, therapy or however that's dealt with to then understand why you were the way you were. I guess that's part of the healing curve, isn't so, it? So, I, I, I'm a therapist, right. uh, so I get the therapeutic side. Uh, yeah, at the same time, it has to be balanced. So lots of people who go through adverse childhood experiences don't understand how society works. So you actually have to relearn how society, or you have to learn how society works. So you have to develop a thing called social capital, which is how to have healthy relationships, how to have, uh, you know, understand how culture works which for people who haven't been really traumatized they 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 don't they don't understand how complex some of that is yeah. looking uh, back at later in life when you look at that earlier trauma is the situations or is the times when you're angry with the people around you that didn't because i always feel in a, feel in a healing process there's always and it's only my observations, or not always, but there's often a, a look back, and I believe self responsibility is the biggest thing. Probably. Yeah. But but there's often external factors. So so if, so there's, there's it's the balance between taking personal responsibility, but also about the in a way the society taking responsibility for its failings. Yeah. You know, and in some ways, you know, you hope that kids six, seven, eight going through what I did 40 years ago don't get the same treatment as I got you know so you know all so the I talk about the anger of the I use the word society but maybe the setup of yeah, so, schools back then for yeah. example so you know one so angry people change the world okay think of Martin Luther King angry Malcolm X and Nelson Mandela all very very angry men in their use they learnt to focus their anger for change, okay, yeah. which is a good thing. I, you know, if I look back to before I was thirty-five, you know, I was most probably one of the angriest people you'd ever meet. Right. Yeah. You know, I could walk into a room and I didn't even have to say anything; it would kick off. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, to feel like a different life looking back now, or a different person. Well, clearly, it is a different person in, in some in, in context. Some, other than there's more being. of me now. There's yeah. more of me now. Right. Uh, you know, you know. When I was 22, I set fire to myself. All oh, right, okay. Uh, For what purpose? To kill myself. Okay, yeah. right. Uh, 
That's a rough way to try and kill oh, yeah. yourself. Oh yeah. Uh, and then no, there's, well, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of less rough ways. I was going to say there's no great way, but that's yeah. a pretty uh, rough way. And then the next four years, I don't. Is that drug induced? That process that's going on. So between eighteen and twenty-two, I kept failing because of the chaos of my life. Uh, and, and failing being holding down jobs, hold down, hold down relationships. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, you angry with the world at that stage? Oh, in your life? I was raging. Yeah, right. Uh, Everyone else was horrible. Yours. Yeah. Uh, you know, the drink and the drugs was about numbing the rage and numbing mm. the pain and numbing the the washing machine in your head. Okay. Mm. What? What? I presume there's a psychology behind why people, because on the outside. You look, you look at that situation again. I'm talking off the top of my head here, but you look and think, well, that's not the way to do it. But I assume when you're in the moment, there's a psychology of. So, so there's a difference, and this is this is this is maybe a, there's a difference between psychology and lived experience. Okay, so psychology often today is very behaviorist, which is harm management. Okay, which is about managing the harm you do to yourself and to others, which is the vast majority of psychology that's taught. So, if you have an experience of the washing machine in your head, which sounds like voices, you have hallucinogenics, hallucin, you know, uh, see things, uh, the world stops being real and what's going on in your side of your head becomes more real than what's outside setting mm-hmm. uh, fires to yourself sounds pretty good cool <laughs> plan, you know okay. uh, you know, the, between 22 and 26 I really don't know how many times I tried to kill myself I was sectioned I was put in seclusion I was on 16 17 different drugs a day plus whatever I could illicit drugs I could get uh and it was just chaos, uh, you know. Being sectioned and being labelled crazy is a great place to be because you have no responsibility. And that worked for you, and that worked for me. Didn't stop me causing mayhem in the lunatic asylum. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was for me. It was you know. Uh, and even during that time, there was no no thought in your mind there that maybe going sectioned and all that, all this sort of thing is maybe. There's a reason society or whoever is looking at looking outside to you was thinking. There's a reason I'm I'm being put down this route. So, so if you're in a world of pain and everything, you have no control of what's going on around you, and you're feeling attacked, you withdraw within to the world that's inside your head, maybe. Uh, what's going on around you no longer ca- no longer matters so because it's no not real yeah so even whatever setting you were whether it's your house whether it was the pub whether yeah. it was the, the, this this um, institute wherever yeah. it was yeah. to you say what didn't matter because what was yeah. what was in my head was more real yeah. than outside yeah right and you know, I was pumped full of antipsychotics, anti mood stabilizers, anti anxieties, antidepressants. I did the whole the whole thing for four or five years. Did you take them obviously their their prescription given to you, but did you 
want to take them to try and uh, I suppose they are in essence trying to help you whether your view is whether they did but uh, uh, so but, all but the, would you get them and then hide them or would you get them and oh, take so them oh so when you're sectioned you're you're forced to take them f- you're forced to take them yeah. you're, you're watched while you take them they give you injections uh-huh. Strangely, were you always pushing back still during this? Uh, depends on what they gave me. All right, <laughs> <laughs> what have you got there before I take it? I say, did, did you notice a difference to what these drugs were doing? To so, your, your mindset, your mentality at that point. Okay. So, with during the time I was up really, really heavily medicated. It slowed you down physically, so you couldn't. It was a chemical kosh, so they don't use straight jackets anymore. They give you an injection, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, but the interesting bit for me, when I set fire to myself, I was just really, really, really badly depressed. They gave me a uh, Prozac, and for the next four years, I acted out constantly. They took me off Prozac, and I was released from the mental health wards two weeks later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, so, you know, it was never, you know, it's a very strange coincidence. You put someone on Prozac and, and then you take them off with certain drugs and they get out. Yeah. Uh, you know, I still have the scars in the side of my mouth. So when they really medicate you, you start to dribble. Oh, right. Uh, and you'll always tell people who have been on the old fashioned heavy duty antipsychotics because we all have little scars in the sides of our yeah. mouths. And they used to give you, um, you give you drops to stop the infections. All right. Wow. Uh, you know, so you know, it's you know, it was properly, uh, really heavy, heavy medication for quite a long time. And all, all this is, I assume, happening on the Isle of Man. Yeah. 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 So during those, though, that sort of yeah. late teen, early, early, family-wise, were the family and fr- and I use the word friends yeah. in the sense of what you'd like to. Maybe the, the people you're doing drugs yeah. with maybe were your friends I don't, I don't know but was yeah. there people around shaking you going look you've been a, a douche you need to sort yourself out or you just can't even you know because so you surround yourself with the wrong people by nature then so it's, that kinda, it, it's that if people are filling you full of drugs to numb you you don't actually remember too much no. uh, you know so I do have memories and I remember the people I was hanging around with and I still see them, you know, you know, uh, I still see them in Douglas. And it's really interesting that 20 years later, they're still all highly medicated up. They're yeah. all, you know, uh, it's that. If you treat mental health and if you treat suicide, an addiction is a medical problem and just manage the harm is a revolving door. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go down the other route, which is more a social or a more a relational way of working, people step out, then there's a natural healing, healing that can occur. Right. So that way that's historically been dealt with, is that, is there a general view in the world through papers etc that this is the path people need to start looking more down so it's more more that it's more than just papers so there's a massive amount of evidence now right. uh so i'm in the middle of doing a phd and all the you know if you look around the world you look into the uk there's this what they're calling the recovery model right. 
excuse me, Michael. No, no, <coughs> which is about building uh, five capitals into people's lives, and they naturally get well, whether oh. that's addiction, whether that's offending, whether that's mental health. Uh, is that implemented a lot? Or I assume not enough. So I don't know. New Zealand's taken it on board. The states and North America and Canada have done massive amounts of work. UK's been doing it for about five, ten years. Okay. Uh, so if you look around the world, it's very much everything's becoming recovery. So recovery fits in within strength-based practice. Okay. within strength-based practice strength, right. so strength-based and asset-based practices everybody has assets and everybody has strengths if you build on them their problems become uh what's the word i'm looking for less less powerful so it's like a set of scales okay so if you've got loads and loads of problems with no good stuff yeah. it's completely out of balance if you build loads of good stuff into someone's life the bad, the bad stuff just becomes meaningless, yeah, doesn't okay. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's all about relationship. It's all about people be having a really good relationship with themselves and also having a really good relationship with the society they live in, not about medicating. So to, to go back, when you look at those 1 to 18 years and the fallout you had, do you think if that was the next person down the road as in just another person that went through that same experience, one to 18. Do you think the fallout, each person's fallout is different just based on their so, makeup, their, so, their, I wouldn't say their environment, but yeah, maybe their environment as well. So it come, So in some ways it's about, it, so if you look at this thing called adverse childhood experiences, they have another thing called, uh, what's it called? Uh, resilience, the resilience score. So if you build a loads of resilience into people's lives, young people's lives, if they have high ACE scores, what happens is they have less of an effect. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's that balance of scales. So almost. it's balance. Yeah. balance. Yeah. So All if you build kind so, of good stuff. So if you build loads of good stuff in, yeah. and there's a, there's a list of like thirty things I think okay. now, mm -hmm. if you build that into kids' lives, the adverse childhood experiences have far less of an effect. effect. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. But going back to what you just said, everybody manifests in different ways. Yeah. So I manifested in one way. My brother manifested in another way. Uh, you know, I have friends who went through far worse than what I went through. Yeah. And they manifested in a different way. Yeah. But as you get older, those pathways become drink, drugs, gambling, uh, crime, yeah. and then you all get labeled. Yeah. And you will start down the same path. Yeah, and I assume there's a follow-on from if you you know you've committed a crime, you're going to jail. You look back now and assume look at that that's not a rehabilitation place. So I've been through prison both on the other man and in a way. Uh, is the system fundamentally wrong? Not yes. fundamentally, because. You know, okay, so your what, observations okay, of so, uh, having so, been through that experience. Okay, so what's prison for? Well, yeah, as an okay. observer, it's, you, you kind of is think it, it should be punishment, but really it should be about rehab. Okay, to, if okay. that's possible. So if you start looking at the at the stats, uh, if you're dyslexic, if you have ADHD, if you're a care lever, 
What's a care leave? Sorry, someone who's been through the care system. Okay, as a kid. right, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you have a score more than five or four, all of a sudden you've got ninety-five percent of the population of a prison. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which is really interesting, hmm. you know. Uh, and then if you, the more of those you have, the more likely and the, there's a direct relationship to the length of your sentence. Right. That's you know that's really 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 clear research. Uh, you know, so if you start looking at people stopping offending, so they, they do it, they, there's a project over in Blackpool. Uh, it's called what's it called? Jobs fronts and houses, okay. Recovery, recovery strength-based mm. approach to people coming out of prison. So, hundred worst offenders coming out of prison in Blackpool in one year. Uh, so they you know, they gave them somewhere steady to li- steady to live, steady job. Uh, put them on an eight week course and gave them a job looking after social housing. Okay, what was the reported drop in crime? by those 100 worst offenders in Blackpool in the first year. Go on. 96% reported mm. by the police. Not wow. self-reported. So do you think 100 worst offenders on the other man? Mm. By building those recovery capitals into their lives, yeah. it's just like you, you, take, you take away all the crime. Yeah, yeah. And is that, is that mechanism not there enough, I assume? No. It's you a, it's kind a, of spat out of the prison system and left to yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I've, I been, I've, been, I've been spat out of the prison system, right. yeah. Uh, so if your underlying ethos is managing offenders yeah okay which is what prisons are about especially the one on the other man uh, it's about there's no there's no real rehabilitation they all say there is but actually really I know what real 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 rehabilitation looks like yeah. and I work in the field and I haven't seen any on the other one right. yeah, yeah. it's about managing rather than rehabilitating right. uh, and it's very interesting what they get away with here on many levels am I allowed to say that yes I will yeah. uh, do you talk to the people I tried right, right, I've okay. tried I've tried right. do you feel it's somewhat deaf ears at times <laughs> oh, very much so right. right across the board right uh, and, and why is why why do you think that would be okay that? okay so because you say you're using the words like managing rather than rehabilitating okay okay so if you're managing okay you're taking people's power away and making your empire bigger because there's always a revolving door. So well, no, I, I don't know what the stats are on the other man, but if you were to look at Manx residents who re, who are in the system, I would say, oh, so you, with stats, you always have to look at what the stable population is and what was the off-island population is. So if you think about the stats for people on the other man, you always have a percentage of people who get nicked, go to prison, and then are sent away and never to re- return. Okay, so you cut them out and just go for Manx residents. What's the rehabilitation rate for those guys? Don't know. Can't find out. Right. Okay. Uh, so if you're... Is that you can't find out? It's just not I stats. D- I, don't, don't, I don't know because right. they just release 
Right. We have a really low reoffending rate, but it doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. it, it yeah. just doesn't make sense to yeah, me. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I'm, so if you're managing someone, it's about power. Okay, you feel powerful. Okay, uh, and to get what you want, you will behave in a certain way. Which also, so in a way, you're taking away the power of the person. So every time you make a judgment on someone. You're taking a little bit of their power. Oh. Okay, does that make sense yeah, to you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're taking a bit of their control away. Okay. Uh, if you're seeing fifty people a week, that's quite a substantial amount of power. Yeah. Okay. And it becomes addictive. You know, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and it's. If you're controlling people's lives, you're not giving them the space and the skills to manage their own life, oh. which, which is what strength-based practice is. Yeah. And because you've been in the system for so long, doing it in a certain way, all of a sudden you're saying, "Actually, I've got to take all. I've got to give them my power," which is leadership. There's a difference. Yeah. Uh, and you know, if you think about a doctor making that judgment call, this you know. I'm putting the label on you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's all about power. Right. Uh, and if you go to the recovery capitals, this 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 later side of the thinking is this power capital or justice capital, whatever yeah, you want okay. to call it, is all about giving how control does someone have of their treatment, of someone of their diagnosis, someone of their environment. And by only by giving that power back, all of a sudden people can take control of their lives rather than it being controlled by a probation officer or a yeah. GP or a psychiatrist or a mental health professional or a addiction. And do you think when you when you look at the offending and misbehaviour, do you think those mechanisms are the offender trying to take control because in their life there is chaos, so they're trying to take some control by whatever their, their okay. behaviour? So, so, so going back to if you've been traumatised, you have a really chaotic relationship with yourself which manifests into the world. Okay, yeah. Uh, and often people who are badly traumatized don't have, there's a part of them that gets stuck at a certain age. So, you know, you often run into people in their 30s or 40s who act like teenagers because there's a part of them that's stuck there because it's never had the chance to mature. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at people who regularly drink and regularly take drugs, once you start taking drugs uh, and drink, you stop stop maturing again because you're 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 pissed or you're stoned or you're off your head. Yeah, okay. So all of a sudden you're a, a forty year old in a, a you're in a forty year old body in with a sixteen year old mindset. Yeah, yeah. So when you look at uh, say an addict, do you, is your belief that? The parents were an addict. The probability of the child being addict, addict okay, so is, is gene based or more environmentally yeah. based. As in, that's they just pick up. You tend to obviously pick okay, up and so learn from. So I really don't. Call I, I, I'm, I'm I'm not a fan of the term addict. Okay. It's someone who manifests an addictive behaviour. Yeah, and that's okay. the point I'm kind of trying to get. Okay. At, is that uh, just a, so personally, I don't think. So it's nature and nurture, it's both. Yeah. Uh, so you can be predisposed to become, have an addictive tendency. Uh, trauma will bring it on. Uh, and it doesn't have to be the massive trauma. It can be lots of little ones. Pain's pain, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, and it's, 
both so nature and nurture is also environment so if you're in a really stressful job or you're you're doing 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 all the time all of a sudden the only way you can manage your the ups and downs is with drugs maybe yeah. uh you know you know there's even people become addicts because they're trying to performance enhancer so you know athletes or politicians i was going to say trump but uh, <laughs> you know there's drugs there yeah you know which in, enhance your performance yeah. and then all of a sudden you're used to taking a drug to numb yourself or to be perform more yeah. uh you know for me i always mix you know so by the time i was so i got out of the mental health ward when i was 26 Ended up going to Ireland, ended up getting loads of trouble in Ireland. What made you go to Ireland? Uh, running away. Okay. Yeah, geographical. You always bring yourself with you. Uh, so, ended up working as an enforcer for a drug gang. All right, wow. Uh, ended up getting nicked for conspiring to dispose of a body. Right. Uh, ended up on the heroin. Yeah. Complete mess. Right. Drinking a bottle of whiskey a day when I was ashore. Right. So, yeah, uh, it was pretty chaotic. Yeah, right. So. And that, I presume, again, just it's the naturally just mixing in those circles then puts you in these situations where you're, you're doing kind of this work, in inverted commas, yeah. to get money, to buy drugs, to or, or commit was, more crime, to. We, so it was a, it was th- there was part of that, but it was also somewhere to belong. Yeah, somewhere okay. to have friends who understood your pain. Okay, okay. We never talked about. Yeah, that, yeah. Right? There was no. But, yeah, but yeah. We sat around a table. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was you know we numbed together, we we partied together, we got into fights together, and there was this, uh, you know, there was it a, a brotherhood maybe. Yeah. You know, and I know you said there you you moved away to Ireland. To- kind of get away from it all was was there the, an, an initial trying to do something different should we say so, or did, was it i was working on the fishing boats to begin with so i was working on fishing boats here uh so that would have been 97 maybe and the heroin was getting quite bad on our man then uh and i could see the path i was getting, going to end up going down so i decided to run to the furthest corner of Europe, which is the Dingle Peninsula, and within a, a month, I was knocking around with the wrong people. Oh. Within a year, I was getting into all sorts of mischief. It's, so it's interesting, there. Sorry, Matt. That that leaving here and that heroin go down that bad path. So is, is it obviously enough self awareness there that for whatever chaos is going on and whatever trouble you're getting into, you're like, well, I don't want to go down that path though. It doesn't look great. I don't know. I suppose it was. There was so much, it was, you know, seeing the people who I was hanging around with really rapidly deteriorating and then recognising that the only way to get away with it was actually to leave. Right, okay. Uh, And then ended up being in Ireland and being in exactly the same situation and embracing it. Right. So. When you first got to Ireland, like job-wise for 
So, I presume, did you actually go and well, yeah. I use uh, try and integrate with society if that's yeah. the right term? Uh, so it was a deep sea fisherman. All right. Uh, so I would be at sea for four weeks, three, four weeks at a time. Right. Come ashore for a week, then I'd be at sea for three or four weeks. So, so I presume when you're onshore, you're uh, offshore, sorry, or, or or onshore, you're drunk, off your head, doing drugs. Yeah. yeah. So that I mean, you, again, as an observer, there's this detox process when you're at sea. Then is the you just. Oh, you're doing a bit of that out at sea as well. No, 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 I'm not. I'm, I'm neither confirm or denying. Right. Uh, okay. So it's you're in international yeah. waters. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, when I was at sea, I couldn't get in trouble. Couldn't get in trouble. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. okay. If right. that makes any sense. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Uh, when I was ashore, I would be getting in trouble every day. Right. Okay. And on those boats, was were they, were they big boats? So then we were you surrounded by a lot of people with, let's say. Similar, similar mindsets yeah. or, or okay yeah so there was crew, like the nature of that job yeah. is it six right. to eight of us and right. we were either druggies or drinkers or right. or dry mm. if that makes sense so yeah yeah, yeah yeah right uh and it was chaos huh. and none of us were ever killed oh right yeah. okay yeah yeah fall so, overboard or whatever yeah, i got yeah. a shot i got shot in the gear one day oh right so okay. out the back of the boat in the gear oh right and, okay uh Oh so, yeah, so it's like yeah, the what's that uh, uh, programming uh, on Discovery where they go fishing up crab fishing, like dead, 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 dead yeah, catch, yeah, 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 and you see instances where they get appendages caught in gear, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and they're, I assume, I don't know, maybe they're all author ed, I don't know, but I assume they're not. So yeah, when you so got it, then got that edge on you as well, I thought it's, it's the hangover, which is the, is oh, the right. yeah, it's because you've I can relate to yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had one of them yeah. or two or three. Yeah, yeah, it's that you know, for every up, there's an equal and opposite down. Right, and if you're up for a week, you're down for a week. Right. So, so one of the things you touched on there, whether you particularly want to go in and you talk about disposing of a body, what yeah. was that just helping someone that? So you've just been in the wrong place at the right. wrong time. Uh, and through the thought process it was I was there a I just I'm just helping a mate sort something out or was this is wrong uh, so I suppose that's the question is you can know something's wrong in your head yeah. but because you're numb because of the trauma it doesn't feel wrong right does that make sense well uh, so there's the two yeah, of them on, two well, of them are balanced yeah. uh, what I did was completely wrong uh, should never have got involved. Should never put myself in a position. Uh, I was helping a mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On one level, yeah, uh, yeah. on another level, I had been working for that guy on and off for a couple of years. So you know, it was, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, it's just, yeah, just a thought process of, or how much there is a thought process. I don't I, know. Yeah, you know, it was. I was sucked in, yeah, and yeah. I was in so deep when I found out what was actually why he wanted me to come to Cork, that it was actually, I was fucked one way or the other. Right. So, and when you you said you were nicked, was that in relation to that incident or just the general it, chaos uh, that was oh, going on? Uh, so that was that. So I'd actually realised the writing was on the wall and had left where I was living and was trying to find another boat in another port. Right. And got sucked back into it. Right. So. Is there a point, like, during all that, you kind of, is this, it's always me, this. What? Why do, why do I always end up in these situations? Or you're aware, is it? Or you're not aware enough for just because you, you hear stories of people going, I always end up with, I don't know, if you've got a partner, I always end up with the same yeah situation basically, but and really the the consistent factor in that is you, yeah, not yeah. the situation. But it's it's it's, uh, it's 
it's the under you know, and it's the underlying trauma. It's the under it's the lack of a belo- sense of belonging. It's the lack of relationship to all of you. Yeah. Uh, and I think again, it's nature and nurture. It's you know, you can come out come out of the womb in a certain way, and then stuff happens, and it just magnifies what's already been programmed into you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did I have the self awareness? No. No, right. no. In fact, in many part there was many parts of me that quite enjoyed that life. Right. You know, excitement to it. Like you said, a brotherhood. Yeah. You know, drink, that belonging. You know, yeah, and all know, the free, free all drink, things. free drugs, lots of women, lots yeah. of cash. You know, there's a part part of you that you know it's yeah reaffirms that it's yeah. the right thing. And it's more addictive than many of the drugs. Right. You know. So you went. Do you go to prison over there? Uh, so I ended up being remanded for a few months then I was bailed I was bailed to the Isle of Man right. uh, then I began that was were your family like your brothers talking to you at this stage no, or they no, kind of disowned you yeah, so my brother had dis- sort of disowned me my sister had disowned me most of my family didn't talk to me do you uh, looking back can you understand oh, absolutely yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. Uh, so I got back my dad bailed me to the Isle of Man just before Millennium Eve and I came back and just started again right uh, and well they took i asked a question earlier about in the earlier 20s yeah. did a kind of family member shake and you go and you need to get this right but they, those conversations happening of course you just yeah. in out one not in out one of your brother yeah yeah uh yeah and it was it was just not uh it didn't register right no you know, so i got back just before the millennium even then in what february 2000 like had a, I had a fatal accident he brought me back from. Right. Uh, got ran over by a seven-ton dumper truck. Right, okay. Uh, hit me on the right side, dragged me under, went over my pelvis, over my chest, spat me out, broke me back, smashed everything. Oh, right, okay. Uh, so, yeah. That, that work accident? Yeah, it was right. a Saturday morning. Right. Just one of those hangover days? Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, so, I was driving the dumper. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> oh, right. You weren't driving. You weren't at the moment yeah. you went under it. Uh, yeah, so I came off and went under. Oh, okay, okay. Right, uh, right. So yeah, so I was out of action for six months, maybe. Right. Okay. So then, uh, when you're in some hospital for a while, yeah, is there a? I use the word detox, but is there a? I need something. I need. Oh, they filled oh, me morphine. They filled more morphine, please. Filled more, more, more morphine. All right. Spray. Okay. Uh, right. Yeah, and you know the, the pain relief and the it's just a substitute, I assume, yeah, for the yeah, yeah right, uh, free, yeah, free, <laughs> uh, and then assign myself out of hospital and yeah, right. Uh, so did how long did I do? So, so I, I was remanded, bailed here, then sentenced. So sentenced to the High Court of Dublin, ended up doing getting sentenced to eighteen months, right. So did you have to serve that time over there? Yeah, or you? yeah, yeah, right. Uh, came out, and is that? Di- I'm sure the prison is different there, is it? Yeah. So I was in the Joy for a bit, which is very much like the old Victoria Road. Okay. Okay, and then I moved, got moved to a pretty modern nick called Wheatfield. So they were you could because I was doing a set amount of time, I could do my qualifications as a welder. Okay. So I, I uh, did my qualifications as a welder welding all the uh, barred gates for all the prisons in Ireland. Oh, right, okay. Which made me giggle. Yeah, a few uh, loose joints in there. <laughs> uh, so, has all my exams ready. 
for the last two weeks in my sentence. And did you get drugs in prison? Oh yeah, easily. Yeah. Uh, so the, the the thought of like training there through prison, I mean, outside life's pretty chaotic outside of prison. I mean, it's the thought process while you're in there. I mean, why are you doing the welding? What's because the, because you, you something get, to do you get, is you it? get something to do. You get paid, right? Okay, uh, right. but it also means you've got a trade when you come out. Right. So in a way and was that going through your head, or well, I can get yeah. back and get a yeah. trade yeah. and yeah. I don't try and be more yeah. on the straight yeah. and narrow? Uh, so the last two weeks, I was going to take all my welding exams, me coding and everything else, so internationally recognised qualifications. And two weeks, two days before, they said you're going back to the Isle of Man tomorrow. You're getting an early release. Oh, great! <laughs> <laughs> can I stay? Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, no, not no. at all. Uh, so that was just you know, it's one of those things in life, you know. Hmm. Uh, so again, got back to the Isle of Man. Ends up working for a building firm for a bit. Tried getting me. It's difficult getting jobs then with a criminal record. Have you found that? <sighs> so some professions. Or some jobs are really quite easy, uh, and other jobs are really hard. Right. Uh, Would you explain your behaviours, like in interviews and stuff, or so how, most, how do those conversations so go? So most jobs like that, you don't have an interview. Right. Yeah, okay. It's, it's like just a chat. Yeah. You chat. do this. Yeah, you I do, do that. that. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I can dig holes in the in the yeah, in yeah, the ground. On. You know, you don't. You know, anything in an office, anything in yeah, a shop, yeah. anything mm. which you're going to get a DBS check for is not even worth applying. Oh, for. okay. Right. Okay. Uh, and there's certain firms are known to give people yeah, yeah. jobs. So ended up working in a building job uh, for a bit. But that chaos carried on, brought the chaos back with me, went back to my life pretty quickly, uh, got a bit of a reputation for myself. I suspect you had that before. But uh, go yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, so my, 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 my understanding of... When you came back, sorry for that time you yeah. were away, did you come back and loop into pretty much the people you knew before you went? Yeah, yeah. So uh, not all the same crowd. And, and, and there was, you know, it's... People move on. It's You know, if you go away for 18 months, people, lots of people move on, and the ones who were stuck in the same cycle, you, same cycle as you were. So when I came back, it was very much... Uh, Most of the guys I'd been hanging around with who were not as messed up as the rest of us had got out, uh, got married, one of them had had kids, and I came back in full chaos mode. Right. Uh, no. And then the violence and the being a bad bugger. Right. You know, I, you know, I just survived in this city, Nick, for 18 months. Yeah, right. Uh, and so in yeah, so I was going to ask a question about the, the Nick. Is that I mean, again, no experience of it. What was life like? Again, because I assume all that control's taken away from you oh, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say it's feeding the problem, but again, it's not helping the problem. No, it's in some so you ways just have your head down, going right. I've just got eighteen months of this. I'm just so prison's easier than being sectioned. So when you're right. sectioned, you don't have a date on the door. Okay. You have to have a. You don't have a date on oh, the okay, when right. you're sectioned. Okay. So right. you just. And when you're sectioned, then you're mentally playing out, trying to escape. look better than you. Yeah, look escape. better than you are. If that's no, the right no, word. No, oh no, no just escape. Just escape. Oh right. Okay. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, well, in prison, you get a date on the door. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
two different mindsets. I, you know, I can do this. I've been through a lot worse. At Eighteen months, I can. Yeah, right. Uh, the violence in prison is more pronounced. Right. So the joy was pretty rough. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm a big. I was a big chap and quite muscular in those days, and a reasonably reasonably good fight. Right. You know, I'm, I'm quite. I used to be quite handy. Right. Uh, and I got into scraps. Right. Uh, a lot of the kicking off. So you know, if the, the kicking off against the officers is about the control, them controlling yeah, you, and okay. you not getting what you want. But between between prisoners, there's a different dynamic going on, uh, and a lot of that's about control and power. What gang you work for, who your mates are, and uh, you know, we've seen people stabbed. We've seen people mm. proper, proper snooker balls in the socks. Right. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's what it's it not, is. Yeah, it's yeah. not pretty. Yeah, and yeah. all of that's traumatizing. Yeah, yeah. yeah just just, so it's yeah, just yeah. There's, there's no, yeah, yeah there's yeah, no yeah. rehabilitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just almost yeah, the opposite yeah, effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Okay. And the more control you manifest onto someone's life, the more you traumatize them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you yeah. think about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's it's just a vicious, vicious circle yeah, going yeah, round yeah. and round. Yeah, yeah. yeah cause I was going to say that distortion, should we say, of the world you had early, you know, talking when you were mm. early back, mm. back on, and that that view you had, where you kind of just in your own mind, mm. did that just? I presume that just never really went away. You never really got to because you're saying so, in parts where you recognised. So you left, mm. but then it came back again, and then sure, you sure. tried to get another. You know, tried to get a job, and then it went yeah. back. So I'm just seeing that. Was there ever a time where so, that was a constant? Or so, so I suppose if you go into my mid twenties, when I was at the worst of my mental health problems, a lot of it was about the madness in my head and how my looking at the terminology I would use today as a, as a therapist, my sense of self had shattered through the crap that I'd gone through. Mm. When I got out of the mental health system, sort of, what happened was my sense of self, in a way, sort of, sort of, uh, came together in a way that allowed me to survive okay and the only way you could survive was regular drugs regular drink regular medication regular weed and that continued to 2005 uh there was despair there was rage there was uh grief maybe uh and all those really powerful, intense emotions made the washing machine in my head spin at a thousand miles an hour. Right. Yeah. Nobody, all, all the only way I knew how to manage the washing machine in my head was by medicating. Yeah, right. Whether it was prescribed or it was illicit, or was it whether it was booze. Right. When I found that stability to take a job. You know, I had a job. You know, a long-term job was three months. A long-term relationship was two nights. Right. Okay, that was how chaotic my life was. 
So you mentioned earlier, uh, I think the, the, the age you used was 35, which I assume was yeah. a watershed. So maybe starting with that, but just again, we chatted before we came on, Was I, I always think it's helpful to talk about the background to understand the yeah. context of where the journey then takes you okay. from 35, which seems so, a lot more positive than what we've just yeah, been talking okay. about for the last 45 minutes. So, so, so where, what, what moment was there where it was, or was there a moment where you oh went? Oh yeah, there was, this will make you laugh. So I was causing so much grief on the old man. I was becoming uh, the police's favorite target. I, I okay. did, I, uh, a few things happened and I decided that it was time to get me act together so I decided to go and live in Holland and act as so the running away again running away, yeah. running away again I was going to see my best friend in Holland before I joined the French Foreign Legion that was the plan oh right okay. uh, so I ended up going to Holland and staying for six months uh, then when I was in Holland I realised actually if I stayed in the life I'd be dead right uh, so I was 32, 32, 33, 32. Uh, ended up giving the chaplain at, who, the chaplain at the mental health unit I was in, a ring, and who was ne- back in the UK. So I went and stayed with them for a few months just to get me head together. Hmm. And then came back here 2005 and signed on with that signed on with who were what dash in those days uh who else mental health and just it was just revolving door stuff yeah. uh and then on the 5th of may 2005 so i was 33 uh ended up talking to a guy called arthur and he explained everything about how I presented to the world and how I experienced myself in a language that never heard before. I'd been using to, to myself for the last oh, twenty right. years. Okay, so he got how I felt, and the reason he got how I felt was because he'd gone through exactly the same. Right. Uh, so I went off to a Christian rehab. So what was Arthur? What, what so Arthur? Was Arthur was uh, a guy had set up a Christian rehab in Northern Ireland. Okay. Uh, called Starus, uh, and he was a guy came over to run the local Starus meeting, so he'd come over every six weeks. Would you call that a defining moment then? When oh, yeah, 5th yeah. of May 2005. Right. Bang, there you go. So, ended up uh, going off to his rehab for six weeks, and in a way, I grew up, right? Okay. okay. So I came back and went back straight to it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Right. Anyway, got nicked for attempted murder about three weeks later. That's right. Uh, ended up in Victoria Road. And when I was sat there, and for the interesting bit, when I got nicked, it was five days after the incident, uh, I told the truth. I didn't right. make any bullshit up. I just basically told the truth from what had happened all the way through. And they charged me with attempted murder. Right. Uh, so I'm spailed. My mum's dying of cancer. Uh, no, so I'm remanded and my mum's dying of cancer. And I, I'm sat in prison. And I thought to myself, all the energy I've put into that life for the last however many years, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to put into healing myself. Right. The shrinks are useless. 
the probation off. They're all useless. None of them can heal me. The only person who can heal me is myself. Right, okay. Uh, and has Arthur said that to you when you just no, him? No, no, no I've no, worked no. it out for myself. Right, okay. Uh, so, so two things happened. I met Arthur on the 5th of May, and I met a guy called Mill. I think it was on the 7th of May. So it was all the same week. Mm. Arthur talked to me about Christianity, and Mill taught me how to meditate. Okay. Two things, same, you know, some, you know there, there may be a God or there is a God, however you want it. And those two things changed my life. Right. Learning to meditate and understanding faith. Hmm. Uh, so when I was in prison, I meditated every day and I got into meditating. So I might meditate for six or seven hours a day. Right, okay. Uh, started talking to the chaplains. Did it help start unfuzzing the head? So it started to slow down the washing machine. Okay. You know what? Do you know what I mean by that constant churning? Okay. Uh, so that constant churning just began to slow down. And I made the conscious decision not to take any drugs when I was in prison. Mm. Uh, in fact, it was the first time I'd been completely clean other than medication, most probably in tr- 10 years, 15 mm. years, uh, if not longer. So that was just through willpower. Pardon? That was just willpower. Willpower. Yeah. Uh, so they dropped the charge from attempted murder down to GBH with intent so I could get bailed. And there was some quite strict bail conditions. So I had a curfew 6, 6 p.m. to I had to sign on at the police station every night. There was, you know. Uh, so I got, you know, my mum had me out for about nine months before she died. Uh, then was going to plead not guilty to GBH with intent, and the court, the the, the police offered, or the attorney general's office offered my solicitor a deal that if I pleaded guilty to GBH, that they would take into consideration he attacked me. <coughs> uh, but I went over the over the top in my defence, right? Uh, and I said, "I'll take that." Yeah, you know, get a couple of years. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, so anyway, went to court and he gave me one year suspended for two. All right. Okay. Uh, and during all of this, I'd been tested for dyslexia, so I was learning to read and write. Right. Uh, was that part of the, I use the word defense, part of, or you're I, demonstrating, you're trying to rehab oh yeah, so, it? So, so I, I was, I'd set up a little gardening business. I was going to church two or three nights a week. Right. Uh, I was helping a starish. What else was I doing? Uh, so I was, doing do, do, I was doing, I was doing the medicine. I was doing all loads of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and putting all that energy into taking control of my life for the first okay. time. Uh, that feeling empowering at the time. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Uh, then well, I'm just trying to think what happened then. So all those things sort of built, and I have, was here, so that would be in October 2006, and I got one year suspended for two. So I then helped with what's now Gry. Okay. Gry Homeless Hostel in Douglas. Okay. You guys know? No. Okay. I know that so I, me and three other guys got together 2006 and helped set up what's now the Homeless Hostel. Uh, 
and just doing those things and serving others rather than serving my ego, okay. if that makes sense. Mm. Uh, At that stage, did you feel you had to give some, start giving back? Or do you think it was just part of that healing process I for think you? it was part of that healing process. I also think it was about service. So how often do we, what we do is about us and our egos rather than this is for you. There mm. is no cost. Uh, so 2000, middle of 2007, I realized I needed to deal with my past. Mm. Mm. So that was just, you know, there was so much junk. Mm -hmm, I bet. Uh, so I applied to four or five different places uh, to go and do courses. Um, I couldn't get to rehab. The, I didn't fit, fit the criteria for, to be sent to, to rehab. So, uh, so that would have been a government funded yeah. send you here for six yeah. months type of thing? Oh, six months to a year. Yeah. So I ended up going to a Roman Catholic institute and doing a qualification in counseling community formation and spiritual direction and to go and do that yourself was that because you've been through the system maybe you spoke to people previously and you just go back to that thing you mentioned earlier about i need to go and do these things rather than oh, no, waiting for was, the system to was, sort me out so so the, the system wasn't going to sort me yeah, out yeah, you know, yeah, i'd yeah, had yeah, enough so experience this, was, yeah, this yeah. was like oh let me let's see what 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 will happen if i so i wrote five letters uh, four got back to me and said, no, we haven't got anything. And then I got another one from a place called the Institute of Saints Anselm in Margate in Kent. And they said, yes, come down for an interview. So they said, okay, you're open-minded enough. So there was 55 of us on the course from 23 nations. And I was the only one with an English accent. Oh, right, okay. Uh, so it so was something you pay for or what so yeah so uh, tried to get the government to pay for it which wasn't going to happen and then out of the blue someone offered to pay for it so seven and a half thousand pounds there you mm. go off you go uh so yeah did a year there then came back for a bit and because i'd been hanging around with nuns monks and fathers for a year i decided i needed to go and test my vocation as a monk mm. So ended up going to the most austere Anglican monastery in the world, and I sp over over a three year period, I spent about two years there, the right. longest being a year. Right. Uh, so silent, so no talking. I was going to say, what do you do there? Right. Okay. Uh, so you get up and you chant and you pray and you meditate, right. and there's a bit of farming going. And on. as this is going on, is this washing machines continuing to slow down? Slow down, slow down, slow down, yeah, slow yeah, down. Yeah. Uh, and a deeper and deeper sense of connection happens right. uh, with yourself and everything around you. Uh, and you begin to understand. So religion goes from being a belief or a faith to a lived experience. So you're aware of what many people would call God. Okay. Uh, you're aware of the influences on you and the influences which are positive and which are negative. Uh, and from what? Your environment? From, from people your environment, around. from the spiritual realm. Okay. Uh, so a very orthodox Christian uh, desert father type spirituality. So very ancient. Not, okay. not the modern stuff of it. So a very ancient. I don't know either. So yeah. I assume uh, I know nothing. Uh, so if you go back to 350 AD, uh, there was uh, a split within the church. Okay, okay. you have the 
the ones that became Roman Catholicism and then the Protestant Church, which followed a certain spirituality and a certain belief structure. And then you had the guys who walked into the desert. That's why they're called the Desert Fathers. And they set up the early monasteries and have a more experiential knowledge of this of God of the Bible of so it's about uh, it's about a direct experience so you don't need a priest over the Bible to meet God you can meet God directly through prayer and meditation okay does that if that makes any sense yeah. to you yeah. uh, so that very orthodox spirituality has been the bedrock of my journey for the last what year were we in now? Uh, for 11 years, yeah, maybe. Yeah, right. uh, and can I ask, because again, religion's not an area I've ever yeah. looked into. Or, when you use the word God, what context do you, is that seen as? So for me, I'd imagine there's just different yeah, so forms for, okay, depending on the okay, religion so, you're so in. For me, uh, God is about relationship okay. with something outside of myself. Whether you want to call it God the Father, God the Son, or God the Spirit, you know, there's three different things you can relate to. Uh, and for me, I have a certain type of relationship with all three, and I can't go any further than that because if I start talking about it, I just won't make sense. Okay, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, suppose then, you know, I mean, my parents have bought up a Christian, yeah. we went to church till I was 12, and. I've never since then ever really interacted with church other than mm. a, a funeral and a yeah, wedding and yeah. that. When 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 God's talked about it, it's it's a, it's a guy, uh, and you pray to him. And that's I, I, only in the depth of my knowledge because okay. I have no knowledge about it. So just the way you were talking about God, I didn't know it was a. So I don't uh, actually like the word God because yeah. it has so much context. Yeah, and that's why I yeah. I get the impression the context I think it is is yeah. not how you're describing it. Yeah, that's why uh, I asked the question. So my context is God is relationship. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's not some being somewhere. Well, no, no. no. Well, yeah, it's about yeah, yeah. it may be about being, but yeah, it's not, not about a human being. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's 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 I suppose for me it's about trust. Trust with what other people are yourself. Trusting the to, to trusting the divine to meet my needs. Trusting that the next step is the right step. Okay. Uh, you know, since I've been on the since I've been at the monastery, it's been that the journey since then has been utterly. You know, you know, you could make you could make some of the things up which have happened, but it's all about trust. Right. You know. So yeah, you mentioned a few years at the monastery. Yeah, so uh, was at the monastery. Where was that? Remind me, sorry. So it's near the nearest place is Gatwick Airport. Okay, so right. you know where Gatwick, Gatwick <laughs> yeah, Airport know, is. Yeah, yeah. It's about ten, fifteen miles okay. away. So, but so you spend chunk like a few months there, come back. Oh, a few so months I started. Longer. I did. I did a week. I did a month. I did three months, and then I did a year. Then I did three months, and then I was there on and off for most of seven months, eight right. months. Uh, and then I found out that the qualification I'd done at St. Anselm's qualified me to go and do a master's at the University of East Anglia in counselling and psychotherapy. Okay, right. So the plan was that I would leave the monastery, come back to the Isle of Man for a bit, 
and then I would go to uni. Uh, but because of my past, there was a lot of bureaucracy getting me in. Uh, eventually, I got the funding and I got the place. And I went up to Norwich in 2011. Right. And qualified as a therapist, BACP accreditation, and got a master's degree. And as you're learning those things, yeah. I, I assume you're, everything you've gone through just... Like a jigsaw, does it start? The oh, pieces yeah. start, yeah, right. So all those bits falling in, then some really good, uh, more. I imagine the immense satisfaction is kind of like, oh right, yeah, okay, that you know. And but just, also doing the work, so you've yeah. got to do the work on yourself to yeah. be able to do uh, be a therapist, and always simple things. Uh, so being a being trauma informed, I use the term, for, term activated. So certain situations that you get all, you know, you get all, yeah. And I, was, I kept getting activated going into uni and I couldn't work out what it was. And then I was sat just pondering. Is that cognitive behaviour then that you're it's trying not, to change? It's, or? it's not about, it's about this inside of you there being an energy that gets activated because it resonates with something in the past. Mm. And, and it's the key to match those two things and up and what then are the, what are the two? Yeah, right, okay. So that, that, that activation is a step to heal them. So, that, so every time I walked into the building I was taught, I used to get activated and I could feel the anger and I could couldn't work out what it was and then I was sat just meditating and then I realised what it was right. uh, concrete block walls no, yeah. with just the lines of cement uh, okay mm -hmm. most public buildings have them including prisons, prisons yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. okay okay I know what it's about now I can let go of that okay, okay. right okay uh, and there was all those strange you know you know so I hadn't done any education and then all of a sudden I'm on this pathway of getting a master's uh, met a woman, uh, so I didn't go back to the monastery. Uh, so I ended up doing that for a year full time. Then I went down to live in Canterbury with Gabby, uh, and was down in Canterbury from 2012 to 2016. Right. So I ended up doing lots of peer mentoring stuff. Uh, Consulting, so talking about your experiences, and then obviously mentoring people through mentoring people through uh, working a bit of as a therapist. Right. Uh, so I worked on therapeutic communities, some of the big third sector guys. Did uh, what's third sector guys? Uh, so third big third sector organisations. Uh, so big big that. charities that oh, okay yeah big charities. Right. Uh, lots of mentoring, lots of psychological support. Uh, and it was really quite interesting being in London, you know, uh, I used to travel up to London three times a week, uh, then I was doing some scholarship work, so the Longford Trust uh, helps ex-offenders go to prison, so what they help fund me, go. Uh, so ex-offenders go to uni, so they help fund me to go to uni, so I then help them, so I mentored some of them, yeah, so right, okay. uh, ended up working as a doorman. Uh, right. which was a bit bizarre uh, and just was living life yeah. you know uh, and I presume on this constant journey of getting more and more information and, yeah. and knowledge and understanding yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and got into a bit of corporate work right uh, your relationships back with the family during this period were they starting to heal were you yeah. working on them yeah, yeah right. so brought me and my brother get, get, get on uh, me and my sister get on, my dad and me started to see eye to eye for the first time. Yeah. Uh, and there was all the, you know, there was a journey. 
it doesn't there's no magic bullet is it yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. a it's a journey because trust's earned not given you know and i've if you've abused the trust as badly as i've abused i had abused the trust all of a sudden it takes a lot of work to get it to yeah, before of course yeah. um, i presume when you're back from the monastery into let's let's say normal day routines mm. life was there ever a part of your mind that was nagging you know just niggling it, in the back of you saying still to this day right okay so within the monastery there's a discipline and that discipline's about getting up and meditating and praying and doing that cycle mm. there's a daily cycle there's a weekly cycle there's a monthly cycle there's a yearly cycle and then there's another cycle above that and for me that cycle is in my life and you know up to lockdown I, I still go back to the monastery it's my it's my place of where I can just go and be I can turn all my phones off and I can just rejoin that rhythm right. uh, I think a, you'll always need that uh, I struggle without it right. uh, there's a part of me that would go back tomorrow right. I'll be honest you know there's yeah. a part of me you know if, if, if there you go you know all the things I do if that all stopped I could just I would be happy yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the hermitage as well not just the monastery I'd go to the hermitage right okay um, and in many ways a lot of the the self-discipline I learned at the monastery keeps me doing what I do I have quite an active life you mm. know I help run a charity I'm a therapist I, I'm a, I, I do all the things uh and it's only the discipline of being in the monastery and that meditative stuff. So do you feel you need that discipline then? Uh, doing, it allows me to operate in a really efficient way and allows me to do my job. Hmm. Uh, if I didn't have that discipline, what would happen? I don't know. Hmm. So. Yeah. so Queen, where did that thought process come from oh uh so maybe give the okay. listeners a bit okay. of background okay here's one for you this is a, this is a typical grim so i'm in london uh i've got i've got a couple of re really quite good jobs and uh and i'm thinking whether i should stay in the relationship i'm in or should i go back to the monastery so i've got I'm mm. one of those one of those mm. uh and I'd been back home to see my dad and I was going through my bedside cabinet and I found a stone from Flegic Beach. As to have you ever done any inner child work which is connecting with your little little person inside? Okay, no, no. Okay, so there's a whole thing in, in personal development where you connect with your inner child. So I'd just done like a week inner child workshop. So I asked Graham, little Graham what he would like to do with the stone from Flagic Beach and quick as a flash the thought in my head rises he would like to throw it from the end of the world right. okay so I laughed at myself where the f it's the end of the world <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I'm in work the next week and uh, the guy I was working for says having this conversation uh, said something along the lines uh, he's talking about the Camino do you know the Camino right. so there's a place in Spain you can do a pilgrimage oh, right, okay. uh, yeah, which yeah. is called the Camino yeah and he said he always regretted not work, working walking to Cape Finisterre after he got to Santiago. I 
And because I've been in the monastery, I have a little bit of Latin, which I know finished there means finish of terror, which is finish of earth. So I've just found the end of the world. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so it's one of those bizarre ones. Then uh, I thought to myself, so I'm going to have to get permission from my girlfriend. I'm going to have to find some cash to pay everything for three or four months. And I'm going to have to get permission from work. Um, and in six weeks, all of them arrived. Right. So I set off from Canterbury and walked to the west coast of Spain four months, 2,000 miles. Right, with the yeah. stone. With the stone yeah, right. and a shell. Yeah. Uh, through the so is that done as part i used the word tour it's poor but with other people no 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 so the first month i was by myself i was the lonely pilgrim and i walked from uh calais through the jungle okay uh to a place called vesley where i met another some more pilgrims and then i walked across uh, france to the Pyrenees and I walked along the ridge of the Pyrenees then across the north coast of Spain and then went over the Picardo Europe to Santiago right. uh, and then out to Finisterre uh, so the first month I was by myself then I was with about six or seven of us within a day of each so we got to know each mm. other and then hit the Pyrenees I was by myself for a week and then I was one or two hundred uh, then I got to Santiago, and there was probably by by the time I was there, there were fifteen of us within a day of each other. Mm. And then from Santiago out to Cape Finisterre, there was most probably ten of us on the road. Right. So it just depends on where you were. were. Uh, so about two thirds of the way across France, I got a random friend request request on Facebook don't know you you're 16 years old and you have peroxide blonde hair and i'll give you your friend okay a day later i get another friend request must be the daughter of one of my friends uh wondering how my walk's going so i said yes and then i got a message hi graham i was wondering if you're going out with my mum with my mum alison fletcher in 1998 because i think you're my dad <sighs> Whoa. Uh, so, yes, I was going to with her mum, and yes, I am her dad. Wow. Uh, so, she was living in Ireland uh, and wanted to come with, live with me, and where I was. So, I got back from the walk. My girlfriend couldn't cope with me having a daughter. Uh, so, that was the end of the relationship. And my dad was getting old, and I was like, actually, I might as well move home uh, so my daughter came to live with me for a while and then decided to go back to Ireland mm. and my dad uh, died about two years ago so he was, I was, he was two years bef before he died so yeah so lots of yeah, you know yeah, it was yeah. just one of those uh, so yeah what was that like finding that out oh nuts bear in mind obviously you're walking you're kind of <laughs> yeah. and not I focused on what I you're doing but you're doing this thing and then this left field thing comes oh yeah. from nowhere but, but doing the Camino things like that happen I've been told right uh, okay. so the answer the question wasn't do I go back to the monastery or find the strength to stay in the relationship it was actually what do I do when I discover and I find a I have a daughter who yeah, yeah. wants to come and live with me uh, yeah it was just it was just I don't speak any French and I was in the middle of France, and there was nobody who spoke English, so I actually had to live with it. For process it yourself. Process it by myself while yeah, I walked. Right. And if you don't mind asking, why did she reach out? 
Uh, so her gran told her on her 16th birthday that who she thought her dad was wasn't really her dad. Wow. Uh, and she'd been in care since she was 11. Oh, right, so okay. It's a very complex. Right. Mm. And the journey, obviously, at that stage you've been through, she'd obviously gone through a care system. Mm. It was the things that, in her life, that you can kind of... Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, okay. yeah, and it was it was really quite strange. So I could see myself. That's what the fact she was in the care system says yeah. that yeah. it wasn't, yeah. you know, not a white picket fence, yeah. but not yeah. a perfect. You yeah. Know. So it was quite interesting that I could see her trying to do exactly what I'd done mm. at that age. Right. Would she <laughs> listen to you though? Oh no, not yeah, at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. So the starting of you obviously okay, came back to the so Ironman, yeah. came back, uh, got started working for. Uh, local provider one day a week got to know the system and after being in London for four years it was like walking back to the Stone Age oh right okay uh, mental health addiction offending it was yeah uh, and in many ways it was what you took for granted in the UK in the UK especially in in the southeast just didn't exist here hmm. uh, and because I'd worked in a certain space and how it, you know had the right contacts it was all of a sudden it was actually let's bring some proper strength and asset based practice to the element uh, and we've been doing that ever since right. with some success uh, so yeah um, so how does that work you know oh, how do people get involved oh uh, maybe headlines if it's a long okay, one but yeah uh, well as okay. long as you need it to be okay so I suppose what so we have so we're four things one is we're a therapeutic community so we teach people who might struggle with social skills or making healthy relationships how to be social okay oh. we have a social space which is about uh, having a safe space to experiment in how you socialize okay yeah uh so the therapeutic community also helps you deal with the underlying trauma. So it's it's a multifaceted thing, really. Uh, we're an education centre, so we have bespoke accredited qualifications in peer mentoring. Uh, and what else do we do? Is is that for the the uh, pathway? Should we say for being a, a, a counsellor and that sort of style, um, or is it all? So it's more. So it's it's about. In many ways, it's about transferable skills. So if you're, if you can learn to listen well, so you know this thing with the uh, the talking benches, which is going on at the moment, yeah. makes me giggle. It should be called listening benches. Okay, so you can sit on it to listen, mm -hmm. not to talk. Uh, so it's about people understanding addiction, mental health, and offending. It's about if you've got the lived experience, using it in a healthy way. It's understanding how society puts things onto you, uh, and it gives you the skills to work in a really effective way. But it's all the skills are transferable. So mm. even if you never end up being a peer mentor, those skills can be used in work. They can be used in just normal so social social situations. Uh, what else? I'm just I'm just trying to think. Uh, and we have a peer-led community, so people who uh, have been through the mill or find themselves isolated or want to overcome challenges but need to build fun things into their lives because mm -hmm. often they have no fun. Uh, so the guys uh, 
they have a walking club, they have a hiking club, uh, they do art, they, we have a whitewater kayaking club. Uh, so it's like a student union nearly. So you mm. can just, you know, if you, if you have an idea, tell us what you want to do and we'll, we'll support mm. you while you do it. Mm. We won't do it for you, but you do it yourself. Uh, so we also have counselling and we also do community development because everybody who comes to Queen lives in a geographical community somewhere. Okay. Uh, so one of the interesting things with the recovery capital model mm. is you can build it into individuals, but you can also build it into communities. And it's once you start looking at that, that gets really interesting because communities vary through time with how much recovery capital they have. Okay, let's expand then. I know we talked about recovery capital earlier. How do you, how does that work on a bigger scale? And you talked about an individual building that. Yeah, okay. How do you build it at a community level? <coughs> By a uh, okay, so as a community, so uh, and what, again, sorry to okay. just pick on the point. Just when you talk about community, you're talking about say a village. Okay, okay so so of, if you think about the cul-de-sac you live on, yeah. how many people do you know in that cul-de-sac? Yeah, not many, but go okay. On. Yeah, so yeah. what would happen? If you became friends with every person who was lives on your pool design. Okay. So that's your building your community there. So that's your building community. Okay. Okay. That's one way of forming a community. So how do you get to know everybody on your street? Go knock on the door. Or you have a party. Oh right, okay. okay. Yeah. 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 So it's simple things like that. If you right. do that at a real hyper hyper local level, all of a sudden people so the, the research is, is utterly fascinating. Uh, so if you put a community connector into uh, GP surgery, within six months, 25% decrease in GP appointments. So 25% of people who go to a GP appointment mm. are lonely, and that's why they go. Oh, okay, 45% yeah. decrease in A&E admissions. Okay, uh, Old people are far less likely to end up in homes you know, loneliness is less health or loneliness is the same unhealthiness as smoking 18 fags a day. Mm. Okay. So being lonely kills people. Mm. But so if you connect people with their neighbors, all of a sudden you're building all that social capital, yeah, right. which makes mm. people healthy. Uh, and if you do the methodology, so we have a methodology nearly, it's maybe the right word. So there's a way of working. So you increase all of the capital. So it's about how how much people feel in control of their environment, how their material capital, their physical resources increase. All of the capitals can be increased doing really simple stuff. Mm. And not to feel like the pessimist, but how did you find the uptake for that? Was it people, was it a community came to you and asked for it? So or did you go out to the community? So we've, been, so we've been doing it on the Isle of Man. We, so we started three years ago and we're now working with Bushnell and Arby commissioners. Okay. Uh, so we're in the middle of developing a learning site down there with them, with our international partners. So we, we use an evidence-based me methodology. Uh, it's called asset-based community development. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we've been working with Cormac for three years, so we've been locked. So we used some really, really simple stuff during lockdown with the yeah. and Arbery. Uh, and it was really interesting uh, the feedback and the amount of people who volunteered. 
Uh, so it's all been positive, and it's been massive. Yeah. It's been massive. So uh, green and orange piece, bits of paper in your window. Yeah. Okay, green means everything's all right. Oranges, can mm. you? Can I've got a bit of a problem? Can you help? Mm. Uh, and the thing that people talked about was, as I went out for my daily exercise, I knew all my neighbours, even though I didn't know who they were. I knew all my neighbours were all right mm. yeah. because they told me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and from that, we've developed. Uh, we've got some internationally recognised uh, training going on down in Bushnell and Arbery. Started this week. Mm. So you know, all those things happen. Yeah, because mm. yeah. yeah, exactly there. I I'm in Colby, and where okay. we were, yeah, we had all the. That, that uh, was that. Yeah, yeah where, that, and it, yeah. it was. Oh, I didn't realise it, it wasn't. Yeah. I thought it was island wide, but no. Yeah, whenever we go out, walk the dogs every every, every day. It, it was just that yeah just as you said yeah. uh, in the nice way yeah i don't know all my neighbors but, but looking down knowing that did you know what they were what the, when they saw them yes you yeah. we got oh, yeah. a, a thing Only through to say yeah. you know put this up green's good okay. and it was it was it, yeah. when and you look back at it, it was good it was good and the really interesting bit with that was it went to every par- parishioner in arbury mm-hmm. russian and we caught people who had fallen through the nets of mental health through the mental social right. care Southern Befrienders, through everybody. And we were catching people who had fallen through all the nets. Mm. Okay. And then they got the support with it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was, you know, something as simple as that. Yeah, yeah, it's amazingly yeah. simple, yeah. isn't it? So that, that's going to registered charity. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we're a registered charity. We're also a limited company to right. keep everything sweet with yep. uh, governance. Yeah. Uh, so we're operating at the old St. Thomas's School at the bottom of Crowlands Hills. Is it? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we're open 10 to 4. And if you want to come down and have a cup of coffee, yeah. uh, you're more than welcome. Uh, I'm actually off work this week. So yeah. uh, this will be out in a couple of weeks. Okay, so so yeah, be, okay. Yeah, late October. Okay, so, uh, yeah, uh, so we're running a level one between now and Christmas, but we'll run a four day just after Christmas and then another level one. So. Right. And funding wise, is that all just oh, trying to raise or difficult? It's, it's, it's meant. Uh, so it's it's a nightmare right. over here trying to raise money. So you, you because we're using a model that's not well known. Right. So in the UK, so so all commissioning in the UK is now strength based and asset based practice. Okay, we don't have that in the Isle of Man yet. So they are only getting their heads around strength based practice at the moment. So we find it hard to get funding. We haven't. We've been operating with no help from the government for three years. Uh, Yeah, it's a complete nightmare. And private funding—that's the right word. It's similar battle of. Not convincing people, but explaining to people the benefits of this oh, yeah. approach. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and you know, all the stats are there. Yeah. yeah. Who would not like to see a ninety-five percent decrease in crime? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Who would not like to see a twenty-five percent decrease in GP appointments? Yeah. Um, so, the therapeutic community model we use comes from uh, Slough, right? And their first hundred people. So it's the, the it's called Embrace down in Slough. Uh, recognized model with the Royal College of Psychiatry, which we're in the process of doing. So we're becoming an accredited therapeutic community with the Royal College of Psychiatry at the moment. Uh, so first 100 people through their system saved, I think it was just under £3 million in one year. Wow. Not, yeah. Uh, f- yeah, 
nobody wants to give us anything. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, uh-huh. And, and during your looking back now, let's say today and looking back over those kind of healing years from 35, did you struggle at times to to deal with, uh, I use the word letting your past go, but not letting it haunt you, so, being able to move on from it? Because again, that's almost another trauma on top of all the other traumas. It's like, right, I need to accept that's happened. Okay. I need to get my peace with certain people, maybe families oh, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But your own inner peace. Okay, so so I suppose for me, I have to learn to accept who I am, what's and all. Uh, I also have to accept some of the things that, that I have done which have been completely wrong. Okay? I also have to accept the things that were done to me which were completely yeah. wrong. And in a many ways, it's not about reliving it. Yeah. It's about what were the feelings during it, and if I can let those, if I, if I can let those feelings, if I can f- accept those feelings, it's I heal, I depressurize, hmm. I still get pissed off. I still get angry. I, I'm, 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 I'm known to throw them at the occasional tent, temper tantrum. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, isn't that part of being a human being? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's all right when things don't get you. Get, 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 yeah. It's all right. I'm, you know, I'm not acting out. I, I'm having feelings and I'm saying, actually, that's not okay. Yeah, right. Mm. Okay. Wow. Mm. <laughs> Some journey. So yeah. I assume, look, I mean, look forward now, you're 49, do you say? Yeah, I'm 49 next week. Yeah. And so. is this, cont- I presume, you know, you're obviously on this, I suppose, we're all on journeys in some context, yeah. aren't we? But you continue to be on that yeah, journey I think, for I yourself think, to continue to, whatever that might be, if you call I'm, it improvement, but it's probably not I the suppose, perfect I, term, is it? I suppose, I suppose it's, it's about growth and roundedness. Yeah, it's right. about becoming more, becoming yeah. more of who I am and becoming a rounded, more rounded person. Uh, you know, I'm. You know, I've often been. You know, so a question that I've been asked before: Would I change anything? And I would say no, because all those events have made me who I am yeah. today, and I'm quite content of who I am today. Okay, so I can. You know, I could do with getting paid, or I could. You know, I could do with you know some things, but actually, I'm really quite content with who I am. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I like myself, and I can go and spend time with myself. Yeah. What yeah. more do I need in life? Yeah, right. So, yeah. and people listening, if I guess you're looking, you know, if people want to, well, I'm, I'm going to say if people want to reach out, but you're looking for people who have just maybe got that internal or head washing machine going on, yeah. and they need a bit of direction or a bit of yeah. help to understand that. And it's, it's or they're not even acting. Maybe they're aware, yeah. or they're not aware they're acting out. Or they've got family it, members that are acting it's, out. It's about overcoming the challenges of life. It's, yeah. it's that, you know, so that washing machine in your head often goes with being emotionally numb. Uh-huh. You know, it's like the the emotions taps being turned off. So sometimes it's about turning the emotions on, so the washing machine slows down. You know, and then giving you the practical skills to go out and flourish. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just you know, as I said before, we're on Facebook. We have a website, and just come down to St Thomas's. Yeah, we'll add all the links in the show yeah. notes. Yeah, we appreciate you coming in and sharing yeah, your story because, again, I think, as we mentioned before we came on or when we came on, this isn't about sensationalising yeah. the story. It's about being through an experience here and hopefully others, yeah. I'm sure you'll find out, yeah. others can learn from that. And I can, you know, you can clearly see mm. you want to help people mm. who've, 
if you've been through 15 to 20 years of that trauma and if you can help someone cut that short or yeah. not even get on that path yeah. uh, mm. that's uh, you know testimony to yourself so mm. I appreciate you sharing your story because a lot of people won't as well yeah. so yeah, thanks thank for you coming in yeah. thank you we'll add yeah. the links thank you for having me no no absolute pleasure do you want to check us out Matt yep so wherever you're listening to us today um, please like subscribe share and leave those five star reviews pretty please on social media facebook we're the m word podcast twitter we are yeah i know i've got to remember that part uh twitter we are the m word podcast with the number one after it and then on instagram we are the m word iom super thanks for listening you sexy people it's word out from martin and word out from matt